It's time for Get the Lack Scoop, a podcast bringing you all the people and stuff you should know in the game of lacrosse. We take lack seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join hosts Big Dog and Jaybird and the biggest names in the game. Brought to you by J. McMahon Lacrosse. That's JML, skills, mindset, and lax IQ training. Ron Doglish, the big dog, was a collegiate football and lacrosse player at Brown. He was also an assistant lacrosse coach and the executive director of the Sports Foundation. And Jay McMahon, the Jaybird, a three-time All-American midfielder at Brown. He was a captain of the U.S. Junior National Team and is the founder of JML. And joining us in the studio, Steve Versalfi, whose collegiate lacrosse career statistics equals one goal against Dartmouth. JML, skills, mindset, and lax IQ training. Helping the next generation of cross players get to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are very pleased to introduce our next guest, who is none other than the CEO of USA Lacrosse, Mark Riccio. Mark joins us as the World Championships will be taking place this week in San Diego, California. And this is part two of our interview with Mark. If you have not already listened to part one, we highly recommend going back to that interview and having a listen to it, it was quite a gem. You will find this portion of the interview in progress. So this next question allows me, um, Mark, to make sure you know that my co-host was a U19 world champion and, and oh. captain of, I think, the first team. He would Come he would on, be man. remiss if I didn't mention that, put that to you there. and the listeners. But, um, but I'm, I'm interested, obviously, one of the big events in the game it's coming up this summer in terms of the world across men's world championship and uh happening in june in san diego and you know that event's been around in different iterations for 30 or 40 years so can you tell us sort of how that event has evolved over time and and what role that plays in in your mission and in the growth of the game and and in usa lacrosse's involvement sure so world lacrosse is the recognized international federation um, formerly known as FIL, Federation of International Lacrosse. They rebranded a few years ago under the World Lacrosse banner. Um, they are recognized by the IOC, International Olympic Committee, as the sanctioning body, uh, the sanctioning international federation, if you will, for our sport. So there are 85 plus nations that are part of World Lacrosse now. So that's wow. global growth, which most people don't fully comprehend. Yeah. That includes four continental federations, Asia, Europe, Africa and Pan America. And there's just been incredible international growth. So world lacrosse now runs the world championships. And so uh, they are actually running the world championship, uh, men's world championship this summer. Uh, there's a local organizing committee that is actually boots on the ground and doing the operations as the host country. We're actively engaged in the execution, but ultimately the local organizing committee runs it. The last summer, we were the local organizing committee for the women's world championships. We actually ran the world championship that was here in Towson, Maryland. That was a world lacrosse event. And so world lacrosse has been great in terms of driving international growth. Um, they have uh, been instrumental in professionalizing the sport from an international level, which is important to the long-term sustainability of the sport, the commercial viability of the sport. And I think that's, that's just really important as we grow up as a sport. That's how, growth happens not only in a domestic level, that if you've got a pathway to competitive international play, like the Olympics, like world championships, 
that drives local aspirational thinking, right? You see that athlete that puts on the USA jersey that only a few select folks can do, and that helps drive that aspirational positioning of the sport. And so World Lacrosse has been great, and we've got 30 teams coming into the U.S. this summer, 10 days, June 21st to July 2nd, I believe are the dates, mm-hmm. and you're going to see some great competition. USA, I'm sure, is going to be at the top of the favorite list, but so is Canada, so is Haudenosaunee. Uh, England, um, Australia, Japan. Japan is going to be one of the next great lacrosse nations. They are yeah. very, very good. Both the men's and women's teams are excellent. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and Mark, how does, you know, you mentioned high performance as part of the strategic plan. How does the national team fit into that? And I imagine as the pro game grows, that relationship with the pro game and the national team, there's some really important dynamics there as we continue to want to, showcase us talent on the world stage yeah so I'll, t- I'll take the first part of the question in terms of if you look at a governing body it's real one of its key pieces of intellectual property is its national team you know look at usa hockey yeah um usa lacrosse as good examples um nba and usa basketball that national team is really what we call it you know we we operate at the base of the pyramid and youth development and growth and we operate at the tip of the pyramid in terms of high performance. Mm-hmm. And that is a very select few that can only put on that USA jersey. So uh, it's really important. So media, content, aspirational positioning uh, in, in terms of driving engagement for a national team. So the national team, as I walk through those three mission statements, a field of growth and risk the experience, field the best national team in terms of long range plan. That is a key element is ensuring, you know, our best athletes and coaches participate in the national team program, year-round engagement, holistic. What does it mean to be in the U.S. national team system? How do you have succession planning between coaches? And you referenced U19, which is now U20, onto our senior teams. You have men's and women's box lacrosse as part of a national team program. You have men's and women's sixes, which is the Olympic discipline. Yeah, it's part of the program now. So you have 12 national team programs from five a few years ago when you had men's and women's in those disciplines that I just outlined, plus the development teams, U16, U18. So it's rather vast. How do we we continue to build that? So it's actually, it is one of the core long range plans of positioning the national team uh, as a piece of IP, but it's certainly it's, it's commercial viability. Um, And second part of that, that requires a significant amount of support and coordination with the pro leagues, athletes unlimited PLL, um, and NLL National Lacrosse League. And so the those organizations I cannot say enough good things about. They've been incredibly supportive of the national team program and international competition. The PLL suspended their schedule this year for two weeks to allow those athletes, right. particularly USA, Canada, and Haudenosaunee, to right. compete at the international level. So thank you to them. Mm. But what it does is those athletes certainly drive engagement at the pro level and vice versa. And so it's good for both, like, but we need to coordinate that. And, you know, as these athletes are becoming, you know, full-time professional lacrosse athletes is what we all want. It requires a higher level of coordination around the calendar and the athlete load and what's it's expected. So we train differently, you know, times Mm -hmm. we might bring a team in national team in to train, but we're not training the way we would if there was, you know, a pro league because the wear and tear on those athletes um, is important to keep them healthy. So it requires a level of coordination right on through, um, 
that you didn't have, you had coordination, but not to the level that we have now, simply by the fact that the calendar is much more crowded. Right, right. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned the Olympics and the sixes, and I know there's been keen interest, you know, in the sport, probably, uh, you know, certainly not for men and women, but for everybody who even is just a spectator of the sport to see it get into the Olympics. And they had that successful competition of the sixes that we were just talking about before we started. Uh, this past summer now what's the stat maybe you could just talk a little bit about how the six has developed if you could and then you know what the status is with the international olympic committee and and kind of where things might go from here sure so <clears throat> sixes is just what it sounds it's six on six and it was developed by world lacrosse and if you look at sixes for those who haven't really seen it it's on a smaller field the men's and women's game is basically what you currently see on a field play, but obviously the field is much smaller, but there's no face-offs. There's a shorter shot clock. There's a two point. Well, no, actually there's not a two point shot. Um, that was some, ex some experimented. I get my rules. Mixed <laughs> yeah. right, I gotcha. I, I, I like the two point shot, but I'm not sure we'll, we'll go there with that, but that's a whole nother issue. The point being is that, <laughs> It's like pickup basketball. It's like five on five or it's like three on three. It's much more intuitive for those ca for a casual observer who just might turn on a TV and watch it. Uh -huh. It's designed to be a much shorter broadcast window. And so it fits to TV very well. It's also a smaller field. So it fits very well in terms of a, 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 a visual on screen. Uh -huh. uh, and so those are some of the key elements. The other key element is that each um, organizing committee that puts on the Olympics in their host country, in this case, LA 28, has the ability to add sports to the sport program that drive local engagement, commercial viability, that can leave a legacy in that, uh, in that community, and along with a couple other factors. And so that's why you've seen sports like breaking, sport climbing, surfing, skateboarding get into olympics like paris and japan respectively before because they have local appeal and uh -huh. it's a way to engage with younger audiences and so the ioc is recognizing what are some of the mechanisms to do that and and that's what came to be so la 28 has the right not the obligation the right to add sports such as lacrosse now there's nine sports that have made the cut so far lacrosse uh -huh. like football cricket um and a few others uh -huh. And so they're evaluating our sport. The other reason why sixes is important to that process is that that local organizing committee has a 10,500 person athlete cap. That is an IOC mandated cap. Hmm. It's an effort to keep the games under cost control, carbon footprint, and frankly, manageable. Uh -huh. So when you add, I think there's 28 Olympic sports currently in the program, you potentially add a new discipline within a sport, like a lot of sports that say, you know, wrestling, they want to add beach wrestling as an example. Hmm. LA has to process all of this combined with what potentially new sports might we want to add lacrosse or otherwise. It has to fit under the 10,500 athlete cap. So if we were to go with full 10 on 10 teams, because that is the international size 10 on 10 for both men and women, mm -hmm. um, you're ruled out. You're just, your athlete size is too big by going to a smaller discipline. Mm -hmm. You address that cricket, rugby there's rugby sevens it's it's a um strategy that has been used by other sports as well in terms of how do we innovate and change to make our game a bit more appealing for some of these key elements olympics being one of them so right. 
it's a longer narrative, but that's just how we got to sixes and why mm-hmm. we are where we are today. So the next step in the process, first of all, World Across runs this. The, the International okay. Federation, they lead point on this. Um, and we're under NDAs and lots of other stuff. So the point being is what is public knowledge is that uh, the IOC will make, LA-28 will make a recommendation to the IOC and the IOC will give it a thumbs up or not. Um either sometime towards the, by the end of this year or the start of next year. And, gotcha. and then we'll know. Right. And Mark, let's just pray to God that we beat cricket, that, you know, that we're, we're not left behind. Thanks <laughs> and to beach cricket. I know, too. I know a huge international sport. I understand. But, so uh, it, it is a huge international sport, but then here's the <laughs> takeaway I want everyone to, to, to really focus on. This is something that I focus with my staff and I'm going to talk a lot more about. You guys know what is happening in Major League Baseball. Right. Major League Baseball went to a pitch clock, larger bases. You can only throw to first base so many times. The reason why is you had three hour games that were losing viewers and using losing younger audiences. They made Mm -hmm. rule changes to a very old and conservative game. Right. Make it more commercially viable to make it engage new audiences and make it more relevant. Crickets has gone. Crickets is older than baseball. Went to a a discipline called cricket 100s where you get 100 balls per at bat again to give it a time certainty to make mm-hmm. it more commercially relevant, viable and relevant to new audiences. Mm-hmm. And so look all around us, the big 12 commissioner, the big 10 commissioner are trying new things within college sports, within their respective um, areas. They don't come f- as, as athletic administrators. They actually come from the same background I come from mm-hmm. for the same reason, engage new audiences, be commercially viable. Change right. is happening all around us in sport. Yeah. And so the idea of six is being part of that is we're responding to the marketplace that says we need to lower the barrier of entrance. We need to ensure this game is viable and relevant to new audiences. Sixes is we're seeing tremendous growth in local communities with sixes because you need less athletes to field competitive teams, which is also a big part of the global competitive component. Mm-hmm. And that you can pick it up and play it. You can play yeah. team 11 age under, mixed gender. You don't need equipment. You pick up and play. And so that's the positioning of sixes. So we've seen it not only be this unique international element, but we're seeing at the grassroots level as a way to play the game on a parking lot or a gym floor or an outdoor basketball um, blacktop uh, in a way that you didn't before. And you're going to see that come from us in terms of the positioning of sixes. Uh It's a real growth opportunity for our game. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, Mark, too, you know, we've been talking to some of our guests who, let's say, played in our era the game was simpler you know and and in some ways sixes seems to be getting back to that let's let's roll it out and play it's not lone pole substitution and specialists and just roll it out and play and i i mean you know speaking for me i think that's exciting right it's just playing the game um and right. without a lot of the the stuff we've maybe put in the way of just right. playing lacrosse yeah you said it well I, I, when i first went i went through my first six month review of of the organization and the state of the game. And I said, very frankly, to the board, either we're part of the problem or we're part of the solution. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, we're part of the problem more times than we think we are. Yeah. And yeah, we need yeah. to do something about it. And, you know, six is a great example of that. Now, again, we can't take ownership of sixes. It started by world lacrosse, but the reality is when things start to happen organically, again, the market always wins. Right, and yeah. the market is telling us we're getting reach outs like, Hey, I can't feel the full team tell me more about sixes or I'm up in the Northeast and like, we got limited field time. I need some off season training for my athletes and it's sixes. 
right? Because right. it's a great conditioning tool, by the way. Right. Yeah. Kids come off the field, you know, gasping for air, smile a mile wide because they touch the ball more. I was going to say, from my standpoint, standing. way more touches, I would say. Way so more I'd be touches. all over it. I mean, There's a reason yeah. that Canada <laughs> is so good in, in lacrosse and they have half as many lacrosse athletes as the U.S. It's yeah. They play box. They get more yep. touches. Like it's yeah. it, it's there for the taking, and so six is a great opportunity for our sport, and we're we're certainly it, it's not a replacement for the field game. Let's be very clear; it's yeah. a great complement and it's a great point of entry to the sport, and that's important to recognize where it sits. And it's it's a lot of fun. Frankly, kids have fun playing it, and that's what this is all about. Right. So, Mark, we want to you know we want to end the formal part of our interview by uh, sort of giving you a chance to share some things that you think are important for our listeners. And I want to do a little confessional box here. I, I was thinking as we were going to interview you, you know, love the game forever, coached it at the youth level, at the middle school level, at the collegiate level, but USA lacrosse has never been like high on my, oh, I'm going to get involved with USA lacrosse or, oh, I got to support USA lacrosse. So what do you want to say to the folks out there about our responsibility to the governing body and what what can we do uh mark to help you and to help the game um what, what are some things you'd want to say to our listeners and sure mark before you answer that i would just say well ron all of our teams down here i'm in the richmond virginia area would become members and sign up and it was a great benefit so Ron stayed out of out of that, I guess, for some reason. Jeez. Jay, I'm <laughs> not trying to downplay. I signed up. I got the insurance too. Oh, but I'm not hey, sure. I'm geez. not sure there's a strategic connection, is my point. And so I, I'm I'm I want, you know, Mark, I'd love to have you challenge all of us. What's our role in helping you and helping USA lacrosse grow the game? Okay. So you, you make a good point about strategic connection. And I think there's that's an area of opportunity for us is I, I tell people, you know, what our mission is, right? And, and I went through it. Fuel the growth, enrich the experience, fuel the best national teams. And then I often go into a bit of how we do it. Membership, commercial um, engagement, fundraising, um, you know, tools and resources, background checks. If you become a member, your coaches get background checks. I mean, these mm -hmm. things matter in terms of yeah. athlete yeah. protection and safety. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we have yeah. a great resources for athlete wellness and protection safety. Except we have a lot of value that is under marketed and, and under strategically connected, right? So that's on us. We got to do a better job of that. But to answer your question is this, I would say a couple of things. One, if you've had your life changed because of this game, first recognize that. A lot of people recognize it and then they move on. But yep. take stock of where you are, mm -hmm. your friendships, your relationships, your mental, physical well-being, the fun you've had, and, and and those are the that's the core stuff. Let alone maybe opportunities, maybe education, maybe business opportunities that came to you solely because of this game. Take stock of that first. Then people say to us, "Well, how do I get back? How do I help?" That's where our job comes in. Two ways you can really do that. You know, um, time, treasure. You know, one is you know time and talent tend to go together, but you know, the opportunity to basically support your local community, coach, um, volunteer. There are ways to do that through the USA lacrosse in terms of becoming an official. We need officials, you know, and if you love this game and you want to get back into it a little bit, that's a great place to start is, is doing that. 
um, in terms of coaching and officiating in terms of your time. The other is treasure. And it doesn't mean, you know, you got to donate a lot of money. And if you've got those resources and that you're capable, great. We've got some great programs around DE&I, around sport growth um, that are important about providing opportunity and consider donating. But the other is membership. You know, even becoming a fan member matters. You become part of something bigger. There's a lot of great benefits. There's a lot of great access to information, uh, tools, resources, media, content engagement um, that that matter in terms of becoming a member. The last piece is that we are focusing a lot of our efforts around four key events in our calendar. And your participation engagement in those events matter. Um, and without getting into a lot of the details around them, because they're being remade a little bit, it's part of that long range plan mm-hmm. is, you know, one of them is supporting, uh, in the second week of November, the national celebrate lacrosse week. That is a moment in time where we are concentrating all of our resources with all those entities that we've talked about before with club and community groups around getting a stick in a kid's hand and providing an opportunity for them, for them to just pick up and play and then find a pathway to play in their community. And donating your time to be part of that one could be one afternoon during that week. And that that is something you focus on. So I said earlier, like you've got to give people something actionable to do. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that are we're anchoring on in terms that are actionable is certainly your time, talent, treasure, but national celebrate lacrosse week certainly is, is a great tool to give back. You get a kid stick in a kid's hands to just pick up and play. Right. Nice. Maybe their life is going to be changed like it was yours. Love it. Love it. So Jay, any, anything further from you before we go to um, Mark, our, our friend, Steve Grisolfi brings a little bit of a different direction to some of his lacrosse questions. So Jay, anything else before we turn it over to our friend, Steve? No, I think we're ready. Steve, bring it. All right, Mark. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, You know, to celebrate you on the program, we actually uh, are going to circle back to uh, the time where you transplanted from the Finger Lakes region down to uh, to Hofstra. So we came up with a quiz to see how well you integrated into Long Island culture, particularly <laughs> along that Hempstead Turnpike corridor. Which we know very well. <laughs> okay, so this one goes to uh, how, how well you paid attention to the local culture. What number was New York Islander legend Dennis Potvin? Uh, was, was he still playing then? No, I'm sure he'd be retired, but uh, this <laughs> but is come a on. I'm, I'm totally going to get this wrong because um, I didn't, I was not a hockey guy until like my roommates, two of my four sweet mates were huge hockey junkies and we would go to games, but I was just a tag along. Um, That's like Coliseum, baby. Okay. This one's kind of a layup for you, um, you know, with, with given your uh, job history, but who owned the nightclub Buttles? <laughs> Greg Buttle. Very <laughs> nice. Yes. I did get many stories from Buttle, Flecko, Marty Lyons. Oh, really? Uh, on Buttles. And I think most of those probably I can't repeat, but it, it was definitely <laughs> a bit of interest in, in learning. I spent a little time with in my jet days hearing some of those stories. I bet. Nice. I bet. All right. So this one, uh, this one's a tough one, and it's the last question. But uh, what does IROC? stand for on an IROC Camaro? <laughs> I think it's International International Race of Champions. You got Dude, it. Wow. Fantastic. I'm impressed. That. that is impressive. <laughs> Long Island. I think you are a strong Islander. I, listen, I have this love-hate relationship with Long Island. Long Island gave me so much opportunity. I have so much fun. So many friends still there. But everything is just 
different on the island. This is just the best way I can say it. Everything's just serious. <laughs> Mark, you're you're in a very political position in the game of lacrosse. You have to say that as a Maryland guy, there's no love for me on Long well, Island. I'll, I'll, I'll I have put to it. put up with these two guys and the constant Long Island stuff. But uh, I was yeah. doing my rounds early in this job, and I will, you know, going to like a Long Island Metro, you know, chapter meeting is a bit different than other meetings like <laughs> and luckily like i'm from the island and i've been working in the city for all these years so like i was unfazed by it but like if you're not from that environment and you walk into that that situation that <laughs> situation there's yeah. some there's some uh there's some there's some enthusiasm and strong feeling Mark, come on forget about it, it? Yeah. yes and you know what actually i've actually come to appreciate it because there yeah. there's no gray area where you stand like right. you I, know. I, I i respect that <laughs> That's yeah. great. Well, good, hey, good Mark, we, we're just so grateful for your time. And I, I, I love where you where we started on this, which is just that lacrosse changed your life, you know, and I think for all of us on this call, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't just love the game. And so we're grateful to you for the role you're playing and continuing to grow the game and uh, and let us know anything we can do to help continue to support you and USA lacrosse. Absolutely. And yeah, felt that instant connection as soon as you started off the interview. That's just awesome. Thanks so much. Listen, I appreciate everything you guys are doing, like I said, on the upfront. And, you know, we are very fortunate, you know, as the governing body to be that impartial, if you will, unifier that our objective is about, you know, what is good for the athlete, what is good for the game as best we can to get more kids and more people playing. And you guys are a big part of that. So appreciate it very much. And thank you for the support. All right. Very well. Awesome. Thanks so much. And that concludes our interview with the CEO of USA Lacrosse, Mark Riccio. Please join us next week where we will continue our celebration of Team USA, having the father-son tandem, Darren and Alan Lowe, on the show. They both played for Team USA. They are one of the few father-son duos to have done so. It's an episode you won't want to miss. See you then. And until we meet again... Here's to hoping you find the twine. We're signing off here at the Get the Lax Coop. Thanks again so much. We will see you the next time.